Good morning, guys. Good evening, North Swimbury. The Seagull is on tech. I am Eagle Falcon. We have uh, quite a lot to go over. I'll tell you what. This might be the week that I've ever had what I said in an early bird briefing episode disproven a grand total of six hours after the episode aired. No joke. The episode for Tuesday morning talked about how Elon Musk now controls a 9% share of te- of uh, Twitter, but it does. But that's not enough to control anything. It's not enough to control anything. And I assured people, no matter what people are saying, it doesn't give them a controlling stake in anything. And then literally 8 a.m. Tuesday morning, he was put on the board. Like that. Bam. I mean, I wasn't wrong. 9% didn't give him, a, give him anything other than a 9% stake. He had to be on the board, and then they did it. We'll get into all the details on that in just a bit. But first, I want to talk about a mildly hilarious hack on YouTube. How many of you have heard of the Vivo music channel on YouTube? V-E-V-O. I'm willing to bet a lot of you now have heard of it. Probably used it way back in the day. And then ever since the dawn of Spotify and everything else, you pretty much forgot it existed until just now when I mentioned it. Went, oh, yeah, that thing. I imagine that is about 70% of the audience's relationship with vivo well they they are still around despite the fact that um pretty much almost everyone just uses spotify or some other nonsense well some hackers had a brilliant idea they decided they were going to go ahead hijack the entire vivo YouTube channel and then replaced the highest profile videos with videos of a Spanish con man. I don't know how to look at this other than you clearly just did this for the lulls. It's either that or you are really after that Spanish demographic for your scams. I don't even know what the videos were. Nobody actually wanted to talk about it. But the hack was done by a criminal group called Los... Palaus, which I have most likely mispronounced because, spoiler alert, I don't speak Spanish. I barely speak English. So, there's not really a whole lot I can do. So, it's hard to tell whether this group had a monetary motivation 
or if they were literally just doing it just for the sake of doing it. But in any case, it is a hack that happened. I also just realized this was not my intended starting story. So I have already, at the start of this podcast, ruined my pre-planned order. But it's okay, because the next one actually fits in rather well, because it's talking about Hydra. The world's biggest cybercrime forum was shut down in a police sting. So, being not a cyber criminal myself, I have never heard of Hydra. But apparently it has been like a hub for all kinds of scummy black hat sort of activity going on and used for various organizations and individuals to communicate with each other and potentially even pick up bounties. But in the sting, the authorities also managed to snag up a stash of 25 million dollars in Bitcoin, which means that right now it's worth exactly 19 million. And now it's worth 26 million. Now it's worth 3 million. Now it's worth 50 million. Now it's worth 17 cents. Now I'm, I'm kidding, obviously. But I am willing to bet now the Bitcoins they stole is no longer worth 25 million. Could you imagine if Bitcoin crashed that hard? To have a stash of 25 million being worth 17 cents just five minutes later? That'd be impressive. That'd be multiple layers of um, impressiveness. Now, in other news, we're just going to get all the hard-hitting ones out of the way. Apple has gone out and defied the Russian government. See, a while back, a voting app was requested by the Russian government to be removed from Apple and Google's platform. And they, were a- and they were asked to remove this days before a key election. So already some class act stuff from a country that already wasn't much of a class act to begin with. And now very much is even less of a class act. For obvious reasons. Well... Google has restored the voting app long ago. Apple, now that it's now cool to defy the Russians, went ahead and reinstated it. So, I guess there's that. Does this really say a whole lot? Not really, other than just being yet another piece to add to the mountain of tech companies do everything they can to defy the country of Russia. It, it, it just never ends. It just never ends with this stuff. Now, in another story of ways to go ahead and 
poke at Russia while Russia pokes back. Russia is going to suspend their International Space Station cooperation unless sanctions are lifted. First off, I feel bad for any astronauts we have up in uh, in the International Space Station because they're now stuck in the middle of this and want nothing to do with either side of this. But let me just uh, put it this way. If you think the United States cares at all i actually started reaching for the sensor button there if you think there is a single care to be given about the united states about the international space station you gotta you're gonna be very mistaken dude we barely we barely let nasa do anything what the heck makes you think we're gonna put allowing russia to continue its its war on an innocent nation Ahead of, you know, advancing work on the International Space Station. You got another thing coming. Uh, yeah, yeah, good job. Good job. Good job. <laughs> by the by, uh, as, as a little side note, I know I have the story here somewhere. Ah, there it is. We'll just move this up. In, in a related story, uh, SpaceX has launched a private astronaut mission today. Where in, an entire independent team, not affiliated with NASA, flew into space for scientific research. Yeah, Russia is very quickly discovering that um, literally the only thing that uh, anyone actually cared about them for was oil and natural gas. That's literally it. So, good luck with your, we're not going to help you with the International Space Station. You're going to look so silly. Oh, my God. Congratulations, Russia. You played yourself. I mean, could you imagine how little Russia would have if advancements were done on tapping into new oil fields? It's just, you know, that, that, that's, a, that's another topic altogether, all, all but the, the longer and longer this all goes out, goes on with Russia, the more and more they look like a complete, utter, incompetent failure. And it really is making the current regime within Russia just absolutely look like a giant angry fool. Just the biggest fool on the entire national stage 
or on the entire global stage. And keep in mind, the global stage already had North Korea on it. And you're out clowning that idiot. Good job. Good job. A plus number one. Speaking of clowns, Intel is launching a new block scale technology for energy efficient block chain hashing. Yes, Intel has made it official with their new Hive blockchain technology and grid with two eyes for no reason infrastructure to be dedicated crypto chips. Now, in the defense of Intel in this case, This has been in development for a long time. A long, long, long time. So naturally, once it's done, you're going to show it off, even though the climate of cryptocurrency right now is in a state of, uh, we'll just call it panic. One thing that occurred last week, which we didn't actually talk about in the main podcast, but did talk about in the bonus episode of the podcast, is the fact that crypto scammers are being arrested for fraud. Like, actually, actually arrested. Which is now causing many other rug pull schemes to try and pretend they can throw together something at the last minute so they look less like a rug pull and more like no we're totally legitimate see hey look everyone paid millions of dollars and they got stick figure yeah that's gonna be a very juicy one once the once the wheels of justice continue turning And quite frankly, the entire space of NFTs is looking more and more unfavorable. Even people who don't really know a whole lot about NFTs are looking at the status of NFTs and saying, wow, this looks awful. I keep hearing these are scams. So naturally, Facebook wants to get in on NFTs again. And what's even worse is that the next Facebook project that they're using to try and revitalize Facebook is introducing, not even kidding, Zuckbucks. Yes, that is what the internal report actually calls them. Zuckbucks. You know, the slang term we've been using here on the podcast to refer to either A, 
dark under under the ta- table money to acquire information used for shady purposes or for, you know, a number of other act- bits of activity that that Facebook uses or what they were or what they're calling their Libra cryptocurrency that kind of fell through. I just more and more I do have to wonder what goes through Zuckerberg's head. I really do wonder sometimes. I mean, it's bad enough the guy continues to put himself out there in the public eye and look more and more like a lizard person or an alien wearing a human suit and expressing normal human emotion. But then to read the room so badly for the world's biggest social media platform to read the political winds of the technology space so badly... It is just stunning. Someone in chat says they suspect there aren't enough people to tell him no, just like with Putin. I think it's that there aren't enough people to tell him no. I think it's that the people Mark surrounds him with drink way too much of the same Kool-Aid. This is something you have to realize with a lot of bu- with a lot of businesses. If you are to succeed, you want to have a large number of different diverse people, and I mean intellectually diverse, not speci- not any other specifically, to then go ahead and pull together ideas. Every single one of these tech giants right now wants to believe they're the next Steve Jobs. They're the next visionary. They're the next one to say, why don't we go ahead, take a giant CD player and use hard drives instead of a CD and be able to store hundreds of songs in your pockets. Everyone wants to think they're that kind of visionary. Elon Musk very much believes he's that visionary. But as we'll see in a minute, he's nowhere close. Mark Zuckerberg believes he's that visionary. Mark Zuckerberg had one good idea. And that was to take a look at the internet. The concept of being able to exchange information within seconds across the globe and make a public place that everyone can communicate with each other in real time. Heck, that concept alone is why so many games that were barely games got off so successfully. That's how the MMO genre started off. Because it's all just one giant social circle. And by the way, There's a game there, too. 
Facebook just took out the game aspect, just made it one giant circle you go com communicate with everyone. And that's literally the only good idea they've ever had. Every other idea they've had basically fell on its face. It's just that their one good idea, they're able to milk for maximum profit. But instead, right now, Facebook is going ahead and saying, what if we went ahead and made NFTs? Yeah, no, no one's going to buy that. What if we made our own currency? Yeah, the government's not going to be happy with that. Also, everyone else is using these currency for money laundering. All right, what if we made a metaverse? What if we took the MMO concept and made it VR? Yeah, people have already did that and better than what we've shown off. And also the novelty of... Communicating with everyone else in real time has kind of worn off. What if we buy other companies and just milk them? Someone in chat says buying out competition was an effective plan. That's literally all they've done. They have just bought their competition. That's it. But of course, because the Facebook board is just a bunch of yes-men, they just continue to follow down the path of these bad ideas. Speaking of bad ideas, Ubisoft. You remember how Ubisoft launched Ghost Recon? And Ghost Recon was supposed to be a live service game. This means that the game will continue to develop new, brand new content indefinitely and because of that it makes total sense that they'll be plagued with microtransactions and also with nfts ah yes you too can buy an nft of the skin you wanted so that when you're done playing the game you can sell the skin to someone else and the value will just go up for reasons it was a brilliant idea guys what could possibly go wrong Oh, hey, development ended. Oh. So the game's dead. Which means that NFT I have is just going to be for a dead game. Whoops. Yeah, you see why a lot of gamers are hesitant whenever we hear live service games? This is how they always end. Because no matter how much you want to say we'll keep development for forever, eventually development slows. You need to continue to, to create a model in which you can constantly support the developing team.
the biggest problem with these live service games is the fact that there is no guaranteed cash flow. The only cash flow you are guaranteed is the whales paying way too much money. So you need to create, keep creating new content for the whales, which then means you get no new players. And if you aren't growing, you're shrinking. So everyone buys the game. They all pay their first, their first payment of, you know, whatever it is. We'll say 60 bucks per. What if no one buys the microtransactions? Or if you lose all goodwill because part of your microtransaction is NFTs and NFTs has this terrible, has this terrible stigma of killing the planet. What do you do? Nothing. You make your next NFT. You keep selling them. No one buys them. And then eventually development stops. Very few live service games get better with age. In fact, the only one of recent memory that I can think of that uses this constantly developing new content for it is Final Fantasy XIV. But they have Final Fantasy XIV, however, because an MMO has a guaranteed revenue flow. So they can keep, they can keep paying their developers. Someone in chat says TF2. Well, TF2 is, I would say though that TF2's development has, for the most part, stalled. I mean, when was the last time TF2 got an actual update? The other advantage that TF2 has is the fact that Valve hosts very few servers of TF2. Many of the servers for TF2, if I'm not mistaken, are community-driven servers. All Valve has to do is make new hats. That's it. And even then, they don't develop a whole lot of new stuff for it. It just has its dedicated base. That's it. Someone in chat asked about Warframe and Paradox Games with DLC. I am not sure about either of those two. Someone else in chat says that... uh, that that Warframe be considered a uh, that Warframe be considered an MMO. CS:GO. The thing is that CS:GO is less like a um, CS:GO is not really a live service game though. CS:GO has really kind of evolved as. Mostly community-driven, I would say. But a lot of these more modern games that try to promise, you know, we're going to launch. And we're going to keep making new content. Eventually, the content dries up. When was the last time we had a serious update to CSGO? When was the last time you've seen a serious update to Team Fortress 2? 
I don't know about Warframe, so I can't really speak there, but, you know, ask yourself that. When was the last time Warframe got a big update? It might have actually been soon, sooner than we would have thought. Heck, the player base right now for Halo Infinite, another live service game, has dropped drastically. And I do mean drastically. Like some people are saying up to 95% of the player base has left. Mostly because that new shiny game smell wore off. But there's also the, there's no new updates. So what do you do when there's no new updates? You figure dead game and you leave. And then eventually, something like Ubisoft just says, it's not worth it. We're just going to move on to the next thing. And then knowing Ubisoft and their continued absolute refusal to admit when something is wrong, let's be perfectly honest. We know exactly what's going to happen with with Ubisoft. They're going to make another live service Tom Clancy game and then just make more NFTs for it. And when people say, what's the benefit of these NFTs, they're they're just going to go, you don't get it. Because I swear Ubisoft is run by absolute true believer NFT cultists. I don't know how else to describe their absolute refusal to explain their own logic. It just reeks of true believer nonsense. We're going to take a break here when we come back. I'm not done with NFTs yet. Oh, no. I still have way, way more to go. We'll be back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Jack Dorsey. I'm willing to bet the name sounds familiar and you're having trouble placing it. Jack Dorsey was the former CEO of Twitter. Jack Dorsey left Twitter after failing to make it all that profitable because Twitter has a lot of problems and trying to keep themselves fresh they've been struggling with with trying to make themselves very appealing and trying to monetize on themselves for a very very long time and it's just been clear jack dorsey is not the guy to bring twitter to the pinnacle it could be so what's jack dorsey doing now well He is doing the only thing that makes total sense by making hexagonal rocks and making them into crypto wallets. I mean, it's obvious, right? What what else do you do as as a retired uh, 
executive for one of the most infamous names in tech that barely monetized itself. You make hexagon rocks. I mean, isn't it obvious to you? So the Rocky hardware crypto wallet is a thing that is being teased. And the concept of the, of the hardware wallet is the fact that you carry it on you. And it stores your cryptocurrency and charges via USB-C, I guess. So this brings me to another rant I have, all right? And that is, what is the point of these hardware wallets? Like, answer me that. The whole point of a hardware wallets is so you can spend your cryptocurrency at stores. What stores? I guarantee you, if I went down the main street of my town, went into every shop and asked them, if you accept Bitcoin, they're either going to look at me like I'm some sort of weirdo hipster and then ask, what the heck is that? Or they'll tell me to get out. Even the big chains aren't going to accept cryptocurrency. So then, why have the hardware wallet? I'm just going to spend them online anyway. And of course, the main advantage of cryptocurrency is so that you can... It's always traced. The blockchain knows all. As it's always said, you know, the blockchain is the future. The blockchain is love. The blockchain is life, etc., etc. So the hardware wallet has always been more baffling. Honestly, you know what else has been baffling? And I've kind of griped about this when we've heard about uh, foreign countries and having uh, Bitcoin ATMs. I finally spotted one in the wild. No joke. I spotted one of these Bitcoin ATMs in the wild. It was at a truck stop tucked away off the highway. They had one of these things there. So you can go ahead and convert your cash into Bitcoin. And yes, the truck stop does not accept cryptocurrency. Heck, the truck stop barely accepts Discover! Ugh. <sighs> 
Someone in chat said, I heard a crypto guy describe Bitcoin as digital equivalent for, to gold. It's for storing the value and not for transaction. You know what the difference is between Bitcoin and gold? Gold consistently trends up. The unfortunate thing is that when I saw this bit, this Bitcoin ATM, it was not powered on yet. The truck stop just got it that day, and the cashiers were very confused as to why they had it. And even the current manager did not know why they had it. I mean, honestly, you know what I believe these sort of Bitcoin ATMs are for? It's actually obvious. It's to collect a transaction fee. That's it. The end. Hey, we're telling you. Bitcoin is digital gold. Just convert your cash into Bitcoin and you're investing it for the future. All you do is pay us $2 now. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes. I understand now. The world makes total sense. But you know, hey, one Twitter executive making a hexagon rock. It, you know, that's that's nothing, you know. I mean, it's not like an entire country is asking their own personal mint to create an NFT. At least we don't live in that sort of dystopian hellscape yet. Aw, oh, dang it. The UK government asked the, asked the Royal Mint to create an NFT. I see. I understand now. Brexit wasn't enough for the UK. Now they have now after their poor life decision of of brexiting which turned out not to work nearly as well as, as they hoped to, they're planning on cashing in big with a royal minted NFT. Man, what perfect timing for all of the UK to make an NFT. That I'm sure this will age only well and definitely not uh, come back to uh, bite them in the butt as just being a very ill-advised move of trying to cash in on a on a fad. I will say this much for NFTs. Of all the dumb fads for oddballs to, to try and cash in on, 
NFTs might be the one that got the most people to buy into it. You got to hand it to, to NFTs. It has transcended generational boundaries. In the meantime, those of us who actually, you know, have more than seven working brain cells will continue to look at NFTs and go, what the heck were you people smoking? I need to avoid, of all, the, of all that good stuff to smoke, I need to make sure that by far is never, ever touched ever again. It's just... Wow. But while all this is going on, this means that NFTs are still stupid popular, right? Right? I mean, all these people wouldn't try to get into NFTs right as the... right as the fad is fading, right? 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 Yeah, Fortune is even saying that the NFT bubble is showing clear signs of bursting, of popping right now. And the reason why is rather obvious. To know why the NFT bubble is bursting right now, you need to understand how the NFT bubble started in the first place. Anyone remember? The NFT bubble first started when diehard crypto bros want to try and justify their cryptocurrency being used for anything, they latched onto the concept of NFTs being a system of making digital goods unique, which on paper was a great idea until, you know, the current state of NFTs are literally just a link and a serial number. That is, of course, the problem. As long as that's all NFTs were, you weren't owning anything. So right then and there, NFTs should have just died. But the problem is that well, with a lot of things crypto, there are people who are in it for one reason and one reason only. To make cold, hard, quick cash. And thus, the Karn artists went to work. 
And that's when word spread about how the value of NFTs could just keep going up and up and up and up and up. And now more people's abandonment. It was just a giant snowball effect of everyone regurgitating the exact same talking points, believing their own nonsense, which is why no one could explain why the value of an NFT will go up. And of course, a lot of artists just going ahead trying to make unique art, not necessarily good, but unique, and selling them as NFTs. That is how this whole thing got started. Which then more con artists started getting on and just started pulling all the classics in the books, like, oh, you know, rug pulls, just straight up fraud, etc., etc., etc. The whole thing just snowballed on itself. Then you get major crypto bil- billionaires, like like someone said, not really crypto billionaires, but billionaires that felt this could be the next biggest thing because it sounded like it could have to them. Not, you know, ignoring the part where all it is is a serial number to link. And then con artists start getting influential minds to just start spouting their same nonsense. The whole thing snowballed in on itself. But as long as people keep saying it's worth something, people will keep speculating that it's worth something. Do you know what finally got this to pop? What finally did this in? It's the fact the conmen are finally going to jail. For being conmen. That is the pin that's popping the bubble. Because me telling you that NFTs are dumb doesn't do anything. I'm telling this to people who already believe NFTs are dumb or had no interest in getting in on NFTs. Keanu Reeves saying NFTs are dumb doesn't do anything. Because he's telling some more people that either don't know what NFTs are or already thought NFTs are dumb. The cult-like following of NFTs by the true believers is what kept the bubble growing. The fact that they continue to believe the BS they were being felt like cultists listening to their cult leader is what kept NFTs going. But now you start seeing the cult leaders going to jail. And now you might think maybe this cult is a cult. Because no matter how much I yell into a mic, no matter how much Kira TV yells into a mic, no matter how much CoffeeZilla r- r- yells into a mic, no matter how much Asmongold yells into a mic, no matter how much anyone with any influence yells into a mic, the majority of these crypto bros don't 
care because we are just unwashed, unknowledgeable, ignorant masses to them. But with the ones that told them the lies in the first place being yanked away, it has finally, finally had these people begin to wonder if in fact what the rest of us have been saying all this time might have been true. We are starting to, and it's going to take some time. We are finally starting to see some decent pushback against NFTs. And I, for one, cannot wait for this train or this, this trend to just die already. And I've said this before, I have taken a look at a lot of these seminars and whatnot that go on on Twitter. It is actually kind of amazing when you step in on these like webinars that go on on Twitter for these various crypto games. Because the people in charge of all these projects for, for Web3, they never phrase anything as though they're trying to bring in anyone new. Never. It is all about just selling the already existing content, the already existing concept to their true believers that just blindly believe Web3 is the future, but not explaining ever as to why Web3 is the future. I will just say this much when it comes to NFTs and Web3. You cannot call cryptocurrency and NFTs the next evolution of the web if it still requires the infrastructure of Web 2. You need to solve that problem first before you can try to say you're the future. It would be like me saying, I've invented a flying car, but it still needs roads to get everywhere. What's the point? I just hope that the NFT bubble fully and utterly completely pops before this holiday season. Because I just want to see some bit of computer hardware that doesn't get bought up by scalpers and cryptocurrency miners. I really, really, really hope 
that this whole thing just dies. And what the federal governments do is going to play a huge role in all of this. I will give the the leaders of all of these Web 3.0 games credit, though. They do make a very impressive word salad. We're going to take our break here a bit earlier than, than I would have liked, but it's because I'm going to want all the time I can to talk about the next topic. Elon freaking Musk and Twitter. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Alright, so first things first. Elon Musk. This past week kicked off with Elon buying a 9.2% stake in Twitter. This made Elon Musk the biggest single shareholder of Twitter's stock. Now... When this happened, I said that a lot of a, a lot of people were saying that Elon now has a controlling portion of Twitter stock. That's not how that works. If you want control of the company, you need 51% for any sort of control like that or beyond the board of directors. To which then, Elon Musk was then put on Twitter's board of directors. Now, of course, the first question that comes up is, why? What's Elon's endgame here? There's got to be something, right? There has to be some reason for Elon Musk to have done this. Well, here's the thing with Elon. Have you ever heard of an alignment chart in D&D? how you have the lawful neutral scale and the good and evil scale. You have your lawful goods, your chaotic goods, your lawful evils, your chaotic evils. Elon Musk, his alignment on that chart is chaotic, chaotic. Just all chaotic. The guy has no logic to half the stuff he does, but everyone still praises him as a genius, despite the fact that the guy's actually pretty bad at what he does. Think about it for a second. The guy runs the biggest 
electric vehicle company on the planet. What was the last big update they did? They released a defective piece of software as a beta test going up, going against DOT wishes. Oh, yeah. And then their latest update to their car made it harder to drive. Someone in chat said they have to fix their stuff before they make new stuff. They don't even fix their current stuff. They make their current stuff worse. The only good thing they did, and literally the only good thing that Tesla has done recently is start. And I mean, and I do want to underline the word start. Allowing non-Tesla vehicles to use their charging infrastructure. That was the first smart thing Tesla's done in quite a while. I take that back. The other smart thing they did was get out of California. I'm sorry, but if you're a manufacturing operation, you cannot work in California. You just can't. The governmental bodies there are just too harsh to any type of manufacturing whatsoever. It is a fool's errand to do manufacturing there. So, I mean, already Elon Musk doesn't exactly have the best ideas. The only other things he's done recently was accidentally perform a pump and dump of Dogecoin. And I only say accidentally because he actually got hit by the dump part of it. He just pumped up Dogecoin and then someone else dumped. So he couldn't even get a pump and dump done right. But then to make it look like he's doing something, he puts out this tweet. After he was put on the Twitter board of directors, do you want an edit button? I think the most, I think the most stunning thing about this question was that 26.4% of the 4.4 million people that voted on this poll said no. That is far more stunning than anything else. You actually had that many people think that an edit button on Twitter is a bad idea. Now, the other thing from Elon Musk is that he is very, very much on, someone in chat said that he said on, not no. He also misspelled yes. So, I mean... It's clearly obvious that there's supposed to be a yes and a no, and he misspelled both, either intentionally or unintentionally. So, no. It's yes or it's yes or no. If you if you want to try, I mean, you could try and make that argument, but it's a bad argument. Yeah. 
the other thing is that Elon Musk is very much a odd advocate of freedom of speech. His viewpoint with a forum like Twitter is that censorship is very bad. And I mean, he's not wrong. Honestly, on a platform like Twitter, I'd rather see no censorship. But that also being said, you do have to you do have to ban certain things. Like if you're using the platform to go ahead and attack someone at like a very savage level or something like that, you know, you got to do something. So, I mean, there there is a line that must be walked. It's just that Twitter is cited on the... heavier side of censoring something rather than not. So needless to say, things will get very interesting for Twitter. Especially since Twitter did mention that uh, they have they have in fact been working on an edit feature since last year, and we were totally totally going to implement it first. We just decided not to show it off until just after Elon Musk joined the board. It's totally in the works and totally going to come out for testing soon. All right, raise your hand if you believe this. Raise your hand if you believe that Twitter has apparently been working on an edit feature since last year and is only now going to start pointing to testing now that Elon has put out a poll asking whether people want to edit button or not. Someone in chat believes that. I don't. I straight up don't. Not when the biggest tech giants have been begging, underline begging, Twitter for an edit button for years. Since back when the back when the character limit was 140 characters. People in begging for an edit button. The biggest names on Twitter begging for it. And they constantly say, no, it's never happening. It's never going to happen. 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 But here's the other thing. If they've been working on an edit feature since last year, they could have put it out and launched it 
in a small test sample now. But they aren't. All they're showing is a looping GIF of what an edit button could look like. Yeah. Someone else in chat s- says if they if they did that they they'd have a bleep storm on their hands. But the problem is that that's how they've always operated. Twitter never rolls out everything on a global scale. Ever. It's always been, unless it's a UI change, in which case it ro- in case it comes out to everyone all at once in waves every single time. And it takes like a month for it to roll out. This is how Twitter has always operated. It always comes out to half the iOS users first, and then a few more, and then a few more, and then a few more. So to say that, no, they would never roll it out in phases, they always roll it out in phases. Always. That's how they've always operated. Hey, some people can get 240 characters, but others can't, lol. Oh, hey, the NFT profiles are out for certain people, LOL. Only a certain number of people can go and upload an NFT as their profile picture, and only certain other people can even see it as as an NFT. It took forever for that to roll out. The same thing with the dark mode. It goes on and on and on. To say that they're going to, that people would complain about getting and other people not, it hasn't happened every other time that Twitter does a staggered rollout of something. Now, they did say they're going to kick off testing within the Twitter Blue Labs in the coming months, learning what works and what doesn't and what is possible. And that right there, I think, is the sheer sign that this was a last-minute decision. Because if it wasn't, if it was something that they have been working on since last year, something that has been in the works for a long time, they'd be testing it now. In the end, what does this mean? I'd say this is almost solid evidence that Elon Musk is going to have an influence within Twitter. Whether it's a good or a bad influence, that is, it's going to be hard to say. It is very, very much going to be hard to say, but you know what? At the very least, 
the evolution of Twitter over the next year is going to, at the very least, be entertaining. In any case, I might want to look for another smaller social media platform to start advertising my streams and podcasts on, on the off chance that Twitter becomes literally uninhabitable. So all we can do is just wait and see. But again, as I point out, many other people have pointed out, Tesla is not exact, or I'm sorry, Elon Musk isn't exactly a great business manager, like, at all. I mean, heck, Tesla has a bad habit of just not meeting goals, like, at all. By now, we are supposed to have the Cybertruck, the Tesla Semi, and the Roadster. Now, in Tesla's defense, the pandemic has put a strong hamper on a lot of manufacturing. And, well, Tesla has had an opening party at the new Giga Texas plant. Tesla's new home of manufacturing, now located in Texas. And he promises... Elon promises the Cybertruck is coming in 2023 and that the Tesla Semi as well also coming in 2023. Now, they did show off a little bit more of the Cybertruck The Cybertruck now, oddly enough, has mirrors. Whoa. What a concept. A vehicle that has rear view mirrors. So that it can, you know, comply with the law. Also, can I just say... This is actually driving me a little nuts about everyone saying that cameras pointed to the rear are going to be the future and rear view mirrors are going to be a thing of the past. I think these people have never driven a big vehicle before. Because let me tell you what some of the most useful things you can do with a mirror that you can't with a camera. Did you know, with a rear view mirror on the sides, if you aren't sure that you're clear or not, you can move your head slightly and actually get a better view in the mirror? It's crazy. But if you do that with a camera, you get nothing when you move your head. Because the camera can only point one direction. And in the case of driving a large vehicle, like, say, a pickup truck, 
or bigger, taking the time to adjust the camera is time you normally don't have when you need to move at 60 to 80 miles an hour. Someone in chat says you learn to drive once. Yeah, most people only learn to drive once. And then those, those same people then just buy a crossover and then that's it. That's the biggest they ever drive. Every time. <sighs> that same person in the chat, chat then then said a a after you learn to drive once the only qualification for driving f-150 is 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 to fog a mirror you know what the problem is though the cyber truck isn't an f-150 i still can't wait to actually see the specs on this thing but based on the kind of power and weight that the cyber truck has there's a decent chance the sucker is actually an F-350 or a F-450 equivalent. Maybe even higher. Just with the sheer density of the materials they're using. Now, another thing that, speaking of materials they're using, that I still haven't seen Tesla address, is they keep talking about how they use cold, rolled steel and very sturdy windows and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, they, they kept saying that's like, you know, this indestructible glass and then threw a shot put at it and then shattered the glass. Smooth. You do know that vehicles on the road are required to have crumple zones, right? Areas where the vehicle is intentionally weaker, so in the case of a crash, those areas crumple in and keep the passengers inside safe. The Cybertruck, by the way it's designed, does not appear to have these zones, like, at all. That has still not been addressed. Well, maybe Tesla doesn't know. They do know because they have crumple zones and actually rank the highest in safe vehicles on their Model S, Model, Model 3, and Model, and Model X. Probably even the Model Y, too. And that is a requirement by law. To have that kind of safety feature built in it. So, still waiting to see what their answer is to that. And then, of course, the Tesla Semi. Oh, God, the Tesla Semi. The biggest... The biggest, like... 
what the heck were you thinking? The Tesla Semi is supposed to be the replacement for diesel-powered semi-trucks. Yet, what do the overwhelming majority of semi-trucks, at least here in the U.S. and in other areas as well, do? They travel over the road. They travel cross-country. All right, well, you can't travel from one coast to the other coast in one day. So, what do the truckers do when they're done driving for the day? They park for the night and sleep in the truck. There is still no sleeper! Inside the Cybertruck. Not unless they want to sleep in the only seat in the middle of the vehicle. But almost no trucker wants to do that because, of course, you know, when you sleep, you want this crazy thing called privacy. Not people able to look through a giant windshield in the front. They still haven't addressed that. So the only thing that the Tesla Semi is going to replace are the regional trucks. That's it. The day cabbers, which makes up a small percentage of the Class 8 Semi trucks out there. You see what I mean by the fact that Tesla seems to just be one can short of a six-pack? how they continue to try and be as revolutionary as possible, but yet fail in so many ways to actually be revolutionary. But this semi-truck's supposed to be out next year along with the Cybertruck. And at this point, the Cybertruck's about, or the, yeah, the Cybertruck's about as ready to go ahead for... Coast-to-coast OTR shipping as the semi is. Someone in chat asked, is the, is the Cybertruck supposed to replace semis? No. Um, the Cybertruck is supposed to be the F-150 competitor, even though I'm willing to bet that the Cybertruck's weight class is going to be closer to the F-350 or F-450 which then means it's going to need a whole new slew of requirements and also, you know, higher title fees than the F-150. The F-150 is so popular, mostly because A, it's very versatile in the way it can be configured, and also B, it is the lightest in full-size pickup trucks. But if you go up to an F-350 or F-450, all of a sudden now your licensing fees triple. And if you're F-350 or higher, 
you're now a class three truck, which now means you now need to have a fire extinguisher and emergency triangles and all sorts of other DOT regulations. Zona chat says there's an F-150 electric. Yes, there's an F- F-150 uh, lightning. But that is a class. Uh, actually, technically it's a 2A truck, but it's a, cl- but it is that entry level truck. Mean that no regulations are required. The size and the weight and the power that the Cybertruck's going to have brings it out of that weight class. Someone, suggests, someone else in chat asks, is there even a charging infrastructure to make electric long-haul trucking even possible? No, there isn't! There absolutely isn't. Because here's the best part. Although Tesla does have a charging infrastructure in place to take Tesla's coast to coast, you can, in fact, just hop from supercharger to supercharger to supercharger and go anywhere in the entire U.S. off only electric using uh, using Tesla superchargers. The Tesla Semi, first off, is too long to fit in those spots because, of course, you know, it's a 53-foot semi-truck. Actually longer because the trailer's just 53 feet. That's not including the actual length of the tractor. But on top of that, the Tesla Semi uses a different connector. Yeah. The Tesla Semi charger connector is keyed differently than the ones that the Teslas use currently. Because the cable they use is basically two DC fast charger connectors in one. At least last time we saw the Tesla Semi, it's been like three years. So, you know, there is that on top of all that. So, yeah, that's the current state of Tesla. Now, while Tesla has been floundering around, what has the rest of the electric vehicle universe been doing? Well, we have Rivian, who is now selling a much better looking actual class one pickup truck. Granted, their truck is at a premium. We have the Ford F-150 Lightning that is coming. Let's see if Ford actually has a date right now. I'm willing to bet they don't have a date right now on the F-150 Lightning.
But we should be seeing that, you know, towards the end of the year. And that, and actually Def 150 Lightning is actually going for a very reasonable amount, actually, starting at 40k. Which is about what their standard F-150s start at as well. So that's not bad at all. Ford also has their E-Transit, their actual uh, cargo van that's going to be all electric. One of the only all electric cargo vans. That's going to be very interesting to see what people make of it. Oh, apparently you can actually just order that now. Interesting. But you know what else I've been seeing a lot lately? You know what I've seen a lot? Out here in Wisconsin, this isn't like, you know, the electric vehicle hub of the world or anything like that. This isn't like, oh, we have an amazing electric vehicle infrastructure or anything like that. No, we have nothing like that. We're just a small American city out where I am. That's it. The end. But I have been seeing way more Mustang Mach-E's on the road. In fact, I would dare say the Mustang Mach-E, which is Ford's electric crossover, and it is like a really crossovery crossover it looks like it kind of looks like a mustang got stung by a bee and swelled up a bit but it still actually looks like decent when you see it in person i have seen more of those on the road than i have teslas lately It is actually kind of crazy. So while Tesla is still floundering around, the actual elect the actual car companies that can actually manufacture vehicles, not some random startup here or there that we can told we made we totally made a prototype. All we need is more money to go ahead and make more vehicle the others are actually getting out there it doesn't look terrible Chevy of course is going to get their electric vehicles out there that aren't the Bolt have they discontinued the Bolt yet? Who knows? Who knows? But even though all of these 
new electric vehicles. Someone in chat says the Volt is discontinued. Not the Volt, the Bolt. B-O-L-T. The Volt was Chevy's crossover that was all electric except for a gas engine that delivered, that got more, uh, That that got that used a, a gas engine to go ahead and recharge the batteries. It was it was a decent concept, but it was just meh. Oh man, the the bolt is in fact still around, and it's still dirt cheap, mostly because the bolt is uh, whoo. The bolt looks like a zit. Like, it does not look like a car. Like, at all. No, you know what it is? It looks like a Eurovan that got shrunk. It's like a Eurovan, like like the Sprinters or the Transits, that are just like, short-nosed, slope front, and just very boxy. It looks like it got, like, hit with a shrink ray and then trash compacted. Like, I hate the look of it. I really do. But, you know, you gotta give them credit. The, um... The bolt's cheap. I think it beats out the Model 3. Oh, God. That's the other thing that Tesla actually, like, infuriates me with, with their current vehicles. The Model 3 started this trend of just having one center screen, no gauge cluster for you. Yeah, yeah, genius. You you wanted to go ahead and you wanted to glance down while you're driving and be able to see useful information? Nah, you got to look over to the side. Train your brain for that nonsense. Also, while you're at it, train your brain to not use a turn signal for a stock or use the turn stock for your turn signals. Push a capacitive button with no tactile field on the, on the steering wheel instead. Oh, God. Tesla's just one giant batch of what the heck are you doing? But in other news... Kind of going, kind of getting off the tangent I got started on, but about to get back on again. A German startup called Sono is working on solar cars. Let me tell you something. A solar car sounds like a really good idea on paper. But it's not. Not unless you get some really, 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 really stupid, efficient solar panels on them. Because let me tell you something. 
I have actually been fascinated by solar technology. In fact, in the off-the-grid living space, solar is key. All right? There actually is an insane, an actually insane luxury yacht, which is a boat that has sleeping quarters on it. You could basically live in a yacht. Now, ignoring the price because all of a sudden you become thoroughly depressed. These yachts are fascinating because they are just massive solar panels on these boats. And the way they're designed is that during the day, the entire boat can move on its own power and power all the living conditions on it, power the AC, power the electric subcraft on board the yacht. It can power the whole thing and still charge the massive battery bank it has on board. And you could theoretically indefinitely cruise on the boat until you ran out of food. It is an incredible marvel. It is fascinating. But you want to know why it works? Because the boat is massive. The entire upper deck of the boat is nothing but solar panels. There is roughly 16 kilowatts of solar on these yachts. These yachts range anywhere from 55 meters in length to 80 meters in length. That's how they get away with it. The other way they get away with it is also They intentionally don't travel the boat very fast. The cruising speed of these yachts is only six knots. Which translates to roughly, I'm actually not entirely certain now. I think it's like, like 25 or 30 miles an hour. Six knots to, mile, to miles per hour. Oh, I'm sorry. 6.9 miles an hour. Like, that's it. So it's not stressing and drawing all that much power. It just combines the efficiency of it with the massive size of it. Now, let's go back to the solar car. Does the car have the ability to collect 80 meters worth of solar. No. Are you able to go ahead and travel at seven miles an hour in the car? No, that's illegally slow. It's going to get nowhere on that. 
All right. Well, you can still store a massive battery bank on the thing, right? So you can just collect a whole bunch of power and just use the, the batteries to go ahead and travel all day at real speeds. No. At some point, you get diminishing returns with batteries. Heck, even in the RV space right now, where you have much, much, much more vehicle to go ahead and charge the blasted thing. You can't do it. You just don't have the space to collect that much power. Now, if they want to just make an electric car and then say the solar could just go ahead and trickle charge the battery and Maybe after tw- after a day, you get an extra five miles of range just to say, all right, we solar, we did it. Woo, solar car. That's one thing. And really, in the end, that's probably all this vehicle is going to be when push comes to shove. The voltage, though, I think is going to be a problem because a lot of these vehicles use high voltage to move. And I look to a concept RV that Winnebago showed off, which actually seemed like a really cool concept vehicle. It was just, you know, what's called a class B RV, meaning that it is a van body. In this case, it was a transit van. And they put on a couple solar panels on top, but it was based off the e-transit van, which means it moves on electric fully. Now, guess how long it takes the solar panel to charge the main battery? If you guessed any amount of time at all, you are incorrect. Because the solar panel on top of the Winnebago only charges the 12 volt systems, and that's literally it. It doesn't even charge the house batteries, it charges some of the lighting in the vehicle. Yeah, that's it. Just just the radio and the lights. Even for off-the-grid camping, it is utterly useless. Now, that being said, 
That kind of vehicle, though, is still interesting. Because you, you have the solar, so you at least can get light no matter what, even if you, like, arrive at the destination to charge and you're really low. But in the case of that concept vehicle, because it's a van, you could literally just pull up to a charging station, even if it's just a slow charging station, plug in, and then just head to the back of your actual, in the actual house portion of the van and just spend the night hooked up to the charger. You could totally just do that. <laughs> so a little bit of insight to what I've seen when it comes to electric vehicles. Though, not going to lie, for off-the-grid camping, I think fossil fuels is still going to be king for a very, very long time. Though there is one vehicle I saw. It was a diesel. But that vehicle loaded up so much solar that it could theoretically power the entire house, AC and all, and heater indefinitely as long as it had sun so at least when that when that rv ran out of fuel wherever the heck you died you can hold hold out there until someone finally gives you a can of diesel we're gonna take our last break here now that i went way over and when we come back we've got the weird stuff to talk about <laughs> Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so we got another one. Ladies and gentlemen, Google and iFixit have joined forces. iFixit is now the official partner for genuine pixel parts starting from the pixel 2 on up so now if you have a pixel phone and there's parts that parts that are defective you can just order the parts directly through iFixit and they will have updated guides for disassembling these phones and replacing the components The list of people actually hopping on board with this just keeps getting longer and longer and longer. I wonder. Is it possible? Could it be? Will we ever see Apple actually go ahead? put their money where their mouth is when they talk about how environmentally friendly they are and hop on board with this exact same style of program. <laughs> no. 
ever see it. But hey, you know what, though? This is very quickly becoming a huge, underlying, huge selling point for actually ditching the iOS ecosystem and hopping on board with Android. Even if you yourself are too afraid to get into your own phone, I'm willing to bet the majority of people know someone who is less afraid to get into into their phone to fix it. Heck, one of my coworkers said their phone was having troubles trouble uh charging i went ahead i took a look at it it's the charging port i was able to show them on the spot with my portable charger that at a certain angle their phone just wouldn't take a charge through it at all the jack needs to be replaced unfortunately their phone does not yet have available parts I'm telling you right now there are tons of people who would love to be able to change out their charging port even if it's just you know what's more expensive a whole brand new will even say a cheap phone a $300 phone or a $15 part and $100 of labor for someone to go in and fix it and heck with more and more companies willing to go ahead and embrace repairability, maybe, just maybe, we can see the return of a phone that can be gotten into and repaired without the use of 27 guitar picks and a heat gun. Seriously, the fact that I need to take a heat gun to a phone to change out the battery that died is absurd. But regardless, this is a huge, huge, huge win for right to repair. Hey, by the by, remember how we were talking about how uh, Intel GPUs were out? And that we could see laptops with these new Intel Arc GPUs that are capable of ray tracing? Yeah, by laptops, we meant laptop. Singular. It is only available currently in the Samsung Galaxy Book 2 Pro. And only in the South Korean version. No 
wonder we're not seeing reviews of the cards yet. But don't worry. Don't worry. Even though the GPUs have launched TM, we'll see these GPUs very, very soon in the second quarter of 2022. You know what? I'm not even mad. I'm not. I'm not angry. I'm not upset. Actually, I am upset. I am upset at one person specifically. I am upset at myself. Because why would I be surprised that Intel has yet again disappointed me? All they have done is disappoint me for the last five, six seven years so you know what I blame myself I blame myself for thinking for a moment that despite the fact that you have a new CEO in the fact that Intel showed so many signs of embracing their engineering roots rather than just their blatant fat catness that they've been leaning on for a long time now. I am disappointed in myself that I didn't see this coming sooner. But you know what? I should look at the positives. Intel is going to be launching a GPU. More and more companies are hopping on board with right to repair. Hardware is once again getting exciting. We can all look forward to exotic changes in the space of computer hardware, especially as the silicon shortage begins to recover and the world and the economy of electronics begins to heal. And we can see more things like today's last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you what peak performance looks like. You may not like it, but this is what it looks like. An Android smartphone with an Apple lightning port. Why? Because we can. Because we can go in there and we can drill out the USB port 
the micro USB port that was dead, by the way, in this phone. And just instead of putting on the correct port, put on the the wrong one. Simply because you can. Brilliant. Just simply brilliant. And you know what? This puts this phone one step ahead feature-wise with the iPhone. It puts it a whole step ahead. For you see, it runs, and it is a phone with a lightning port that can run any Android app, and... even has a headphone jack. It's brilliant. It is simply brilliant. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening, and I do encourage you, check out the daily podcast, The Early Burb Briefing, which airs every single morning. And it's just one nice little, little rant to start off your day with a interesting little bit of recent tech news. And check out my Twitch page, twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. And of course, all the stories we couldn't get to in this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech is in the subscriber episode, anchor.fm slash Eagle Eyes on Tech. Take care, and hopefully we'll see you then. You know what's even more fascinating about this phone? The story went up on April 1st. And the main reason that nobody talked about it during last week was because everyone assumed it was a flipping April Fool's joke. What was the joke is the fact that they're contemplating selling this again. And it was done by the same engineering student that did the iPhone 10 with a USB-C port on it. But I'll say this much. USB-C on an iPhone is way more interesting than lightning on an Android phone. I think what's more interesting is the fact the lightning port didn't revile back and try to destroy the phone it was then installed to like a donor organ rejecting the rest of the body or something like that. Because you know what? I wouldn't put it past Apple for the phone to self-destruct by having a lightning port put on it.